Welcome to this broadcast of Truth For Today, sponsored by Sun City West Christian Church in Sun City West, Arizona. I'm Kai Repschult, your host. Today we'll be looking into uh, chapter 21 of the book of Acts, which I uh, give as a byline, The Spreading of the Gospel. Before we start our study, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your revelation to us and the truth it contains. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit who has promised to bring us into all the truth and to remind us of everything that you've taught us. We ask that we would be um, cooperating with the Holy Spirit today as the truth is revealed and it, we can see the direct application it has in our own lives. Amen. Okay, so last time... Uh, Paul had started his um, uh, trek to collect the funds that he needed to deliver to Jerusalem to relieve uh, the destitute, uh, the believers, the Jewish believers in Judea, who it appears were being economically persecuted by the non-believing Jews in Judea. And the churches in Macedonia and in Greece had given money to the relief of those believers in Judea. <clears throat> and Paul wanted to personally deliver that <clears throat> because, uh, well, first there was the compassionate reason to relieve the, the, the economic distress of the believers in Judea. And the second was it was a testimony that the Gentile believers in Macedonia and Greece were in fact true brothers and sisters to the believers in Judea. So, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 21, when we had parted from them and had set sail, we ran a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we came in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we kept sailing to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and started on our journey, while they all, with wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city. After leaning down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home again. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemy, and after greeting the brethren, we stayed with them for a day. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea, and entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. As we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we had heard this, 
we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go to up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since we would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, The will of the Lord be done. So Paul has continued his planned trip. He's Now the trip final destination is Spain, as he reveals in his letter to the Romans. Because no, the people in Spain have not yet heard the gospel. And Paul's mission priority was to preach in places where the gospel had not yet been heard. So he was planning to go to Spain. But he was going there via Jerusalem and Rome. And he had some tasks along the way. This task to deliver these uh, these gifts from the Macedonian and Greek churches to the destitute believers in Judea. And then on to Rome to uh, see them, encourage the Roman Christians, and then maybe gain some support from them as he goes into Spain. Now when Paul gets to Tyre, the city of Tyre, he's warned by believers there through the Holy Spirit about the danger awaiting him in Jerusalem. He's not forbidden to go. Remember back in the second missionary journey, uh, Paul was attempting to encourage churches that he had found in, in Asia Minor, uh, in the province of Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. And he was being prevented by the Holy Spirit from doing that. And he even tried to go into the province of Bithynia, which is uh, next to the province of Asia. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to do that because the Holy Spirit wanted him to go to Macedonia. So there are times when the Holy Spirit would, did prevent Paul, but in this case, the Holy Spirit is only warning Paul about what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He's not preventing Paul from going. So uh, they, they proceed to Caesarea where Paul stays with Philip, who is one of the first seven deacons uh, that was established back uh, in chapter 6 of the book of Acts in the very young church in Jerusalem, who also was a significant evangelist in opening up the region of Samaria to the gospel and also preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip has four daughters and these daughters are prophetesses. Now a prophet or a prophetess is a significant spiritual gift in the life of the church. Um, prophets or in this case prophetesses are fourth tellers of God's word. If you were to look at the Old Testament prophecy books, you'll find that the major, vast majority of those books have nothing to do with foretelling the future. They have everything to do with reminding God's people of what God has said is the right way to live and 
and showing the people that they are not living the way God wants them to live and calling them to repentance. So, the gift of prophecy in the New Testament is like the gift of prophecy in the Old Testament. Very little of it has to do with foretelling the future. It has to do with, this is the way the Lord wants you to live, this is the way you're living, you need to make corrections. Uh, so most of most of Paul's letters were prophetic letters because they had identified problems within the churches that he established and he gave them instructions how to, how to correct them and how to do things God's way. So here we have, but this is a significant ministry. Uh, prophets are among the five gifts that are considered leadership gifts in the church. Uh, evangelist, apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers. Those five, if you look in chapter four of Ephesians, are identified specifically as gifts by God to the church for the church's health and growth. So these women have a significant gift of the Holy Spirit, and within the church they stand in a very important position. So don't let anyone make you think that the Christian church uh, considered women as second-class citizens. This is an example where that would be not true. While also in Caesarea, the prophet Agabus, who lives in Judea, comes down, and he has a message for Paul. And the Holy Spirit says that uh, the Jews in Jerusalem are going to bind you, Paul, and hand you over to the Gentiles. And the local Christians and Paul's ministry team plead with Paul. And Paul remains steadfast with his mission. Acknowledging the message that there's danger and adversity. He says, I have this mission and a commission given to me by God and I am going to carry out that mission and I will accept whatever adversity God allows. Even if I have to physically die for the name of Jesus. Luke's account goes on in verse 15. After these days, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Manasseh of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. After we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After he had greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they began glorifying God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed, and they all are zealous for the law. And they have been told about you 
that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Therefore do this that we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and all will know that there is nothing to the things which they have been told about you, but that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the law. But concerning the Gentiles who have believed, we wrote, having decided that they should abstain from meat sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what is strangled and from, for and from fornication. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, purifying himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice of the completion of the days of purification, till the sacrifice was offered for each one of them. So Paul arrives in Jerusalem, and he delivers the offerings of the Macedonian and Greek Christians for the relief of the distressed brethren in Judea. And the Christians in Jerusalem receive him gladly, which is to be expected, considering what he's doing. And Paul meets with James. Now James is Jesus' half-brother, the oldest of Jesus' half-brothers. And he's also the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And the other elders in Jerusalem are also present for this meeting. Now, Paul gives a detailed report on his ministry since he last was with them. Now, the last time he was with them was uh, when they uh, had a big meeting to uh, decide whether Gentile believers would be included in the Christian church. And uh, that was the, the account of that is in chapter 15 of the book of Acts. And they glorify God for what he, is, he, God, is doing among the Gentiles through Paul's ministry. But there's this problem. James explains the challenge that they face. Jewish believers in Jerusalem, of which there are in Judea, of which there are thousands, are zealous to also keep the law of Moses. Now, there is nothing sinful in keeping the law of Moses. As long as you don't depend on the fact that you are keeping the law of Moses as earning you eternal life. Nope. As long as you are uh, proclaiming Jesus the Messiah and depending on his grace for eternal life, then there is nothing sinful in keeping the law as zealously as you would like. But false reports, probably intentionally false, from unbelieving Jews who are visiting Jerusalem from other places outside of the borders of Judea about Paul's behavior when he is on his mission trips outside of Judea. And they they accuse him of things that he did not do ever. And they do it just to stir up animosity 
between the Jewish believers and Paul. So that's what's been happening. And all these reports have been filtering to the, Ju the Judean Jews who are upset. And, but James has a plan. He says, we can demonstrate the truth of who you are and, and, and then discount all these reports as being untrue. What you need to do, Paul, is um, to, to join the four brothers who are under a vow, and it was probably a Nazarite vow. Uh, and if you want to learn about the Nazarite vow, you can go back to the book of Leviticus. It explains what the Nazarite vow is. Uh, but at the end of the vow period, uh, a series of things have to happen, including a sacrifice of an animal, the shaving off of hair, these kinds of things, uh, to, to show the completion of the vow. And there's expenses associated with this because you have to provide sacrificial animals. So the plan is, Paul, you provide the logistic support and you join with these brothers who are going to uh, go through this purification. And then all our Jewish brethren here will see that you really do uh, conform to the law and approve of people who obey the law. And you, so you will discredit these reports. And then James reiterates the final decision that had occurred uh, back in chapter 15, a few, several years before, uh, in the meeting where they uh, decided how they were going to incorporate Jewish believers into the church. Paul agrees with and executes the plan. And we pick up the account in verse 27 of chapter 21. When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was provoked, and the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. While they were seeking to kill him, a report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. At once, he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them, and when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came up and took hold of him and ordered him to be bound with two chains, and he began asking who he was and what he had done. But among the crowd, some were shouting one thing and some another. And when he could not find out the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him 
to be brought into the barracks. When he got to the stairs, he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people kept following and shouting, away with him. So James's plan almost succeeded. In fact, in, in some sense, uh, it may have actually succeeded very well in convincing the Jewish believers that Paul honored the Mosaic law and did not teach people, other Jews, to disobey it. However, these Jews from Asia, who we have seen before, it's almost as if they follow Paul around. I'm not sure that that would be true, but it seems by the account, because they always show up. They're like busybodies. They can't be satisfied that he left their city. They have to follow him to another place and cause trouble where he's there. So these Jews from Asia stir up trouble when they recognize Paul. And they make false accusations. Knowingly false accusations designed to inflame a mob primarily from Jewish non-believers, non-believing Jews, the majority of the population of Jerusalem. And they succeed. And the whole city gets to be in an uproar, at least the ones who aren't Christians. And mob violence follows. Illegally, they put their hands on Paul. They have no legal authority to arrest him or to restrain him. They, take, they put their hands on him and they intend to kill him. At the same time this is going on, a report comes to the commander of the Roman cohort garrisoning Jerusalem. And he arrives with soldiers. And when he does arrive, the rioters stop beating Paul. The Roman commander takes Paul into custody. And this action probably prevents Paul's death at the hands of the mob. And he actually binds him with chains, fulfilling a portion of the prophecy that Agabus had made a short time earlier in the city of Caesarea. And the Roman commander wants to know what's, what's, why, why, why all the confusion, why all the noise. And so he's asking questions, but there's too much confusion in the public so he decides he's going to take Paul into the barracks. And while he's carrying him, and, and the soldiers actually have to carry them on, his, on, their, on their shoulders to keep him away from the mob because the mob still wants to kill Paul. But they get him up to the entrance to the barracks and he's safe from the mob. Even though the mob was following after them, the soldiers were strong enough, were armed and armored, and they prevented the mob from doing violence against Paul. And here we see God's special providence at work 
for what he wants done. And we're going to find out what God expects and what God plans uh, the, the next time we get together as we, we continue to look at what Paul is doing and how uh, his plan, Paul's plan, to get to Spain via Rome uh, isn't exactly the way it's going to work out. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you are uh, visiting Arizona or if you live here in the Phoenix area in Arizona and you would like to participate live in this Bible study because we have a, a, a section after the lesson where we have discussion and questions and answers, you're certainly welcome to join us. Uh, we meet on Sundays um, from... Uh, 9.30 until 10.30. Uh, and uh, we're in Sun City West, which is uh, the north northwestern suburbs of the city of Phoenix. And everyone is welcome to join. God bless you all. <laughs>